Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Thank you, Brother John. And uh, greetings, brethren. Indeed, uh, a pleasure to be here with you today and to share in this new location. Nice and comfortable to begin with. (laughs) And with the Lord's presence, I'm sure we'll have a good time today. Indeed, a joy to be here. I'm sure we're here because the Lord would have it that the church continue to position itself to preach the gospel to the world. When I first heard the doctrines taught by this church, and especially the the feast days, and the meaning of the, the feast days, the fact that right now God is calling a selected group of people to be the first fruits. And up to understanding that first fruits simply mean a very small sample of what is to come. So my mind was opened up to the fact that God indeed intend to save mankind. And I've been excited and interested in finding out more about God's plan. Brethren, we have a pearl in our hands. Not just the physical book, the Bible, but the understanding that the church of God has of the plan of God. I've been listening, I've been seeking, and I see nothing that can be compared to what is revealed through the scriptures and expounded by the church. So I want to take the opportunity to thank those men and women who have been faithfully serving the Lord, holding on to the truth. The story is not over because the world is still in confusion. The Christian world is so much in need of the explanations given by us that we just need to continue to position ourselves to answer the call of God. So today we'll be focusing on that call, the call of God. As was read in the scripture reading, First um, Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth his praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I 
it's nice to feel chosen and to know that we are a chosen generation. Nice to know that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. But as I contemplate our calling, brethren, it's even more astounding when we look at the facts behind our calling, what God is doing. We know God is great. He has a whole universe that he has under his control. But the calling that he gives to us is very unique, even specific. And I start with John 6.44. John 6.44, just to remind us as to how personal God gets when it comes to calling his people to him. John 6.44 No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, we're, we're thankful to be here. And there are some who may look through the doors and even have a desire to come in. But the fact is, when it comes to having the opportunity to serve God, just the opportunity, it is God that does the drawing. No man can come unless the Father draws him. No, it means that we're not here by chance. We're not a part of the church of God by chance. God selected us and has brought us into his family. He draws us. Now that to me, you know, it's more than a blessing. It's more than... Now, I, I, I can imagine how such a great God would choose, you know, someone like me to be a part of his great family and his great plan. I'm humbled every time I think of the privilege of just being a part of the family of God. But it gets even better than this. Romans eight twenty-eight and 29. For whom he did foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. So before he drew us, before we were born, He knew us. So our calling is a result of the foreknowledge of God. God knew us before. What a process. And then he also predetermined, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. Now I want us to spend a little time looking at this 
conformity to the image of Christ. Because, you know, sometimes I think many persons, many churches look at predestination as if some people are simply selected for heaven, as they put it, and some for hell. And it doesn't matter what happens, those who are predetermined to go to hell will go to hell. And those who are predetermined to go to heaven will go to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. Bible does say that some were predestined to be called to be conformed to his son. So there is a process that we are called to. And this process is is, is described um, and I, I, I will jump ahead to 2 Corinthians 3 Uh, I didn't have the exact verse, but it's, I think it's a, somewhere in the last verse. But it, it, I have the quotation here. But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're predestined to be conformed to his, to his image. As we come to Christ, as we, we come to God and we can learn of his character, learn of his word, we are developing the perfect image of Christ. And we are in a process of transformation from where we started out, and we're going to look at where we started, to where we are supposed to be. So we start uh, from when man was made in the Garden of Eden. So let's look at Genesis 1:27, and let's see if we can make that connection. Genesis 1:26, and God said. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowl of the air. And over the cattle. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So from the beginning, man was created in the image of God. In God's image and likeness. But there is something that we have to understand about our humanity. As much as we are created in the image and likeness of of, of God, we're not yet there. Because this likeness and imagery is more so in character than in the physical. 
So, the creative process is not fully complete. Man as we are, we're not done yet. We start from the clay and God breathed into the, 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 the Adam's nostril, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This living soul, when we look at our behavior for the thousands of years we have been around, and the Bible teaches us that the soul is carnal. Naturally, mankind tend to want to satisfy the flesh. And anything that is called holish is that which satisfies the person, the taste, the, the, the feelings, the smell, and all the senses. This is carnal man. Seek just to satisfy this body and what it can experience in this present realm. So people today use drugs and the alcohol and the, the fentanyl which is killing so many. And whatever man can do just to, to get a great feel. They abuse food and sex and whatever they can just to experience the fulfillment of the flesh. And so what result is carnal man is indeed lacking in dignity and glory. Murder, covetousness, and all of these things comes from the flesh and the desire to, ful to fulfill the carnality that lies in man. And so Paul concludes that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that's the world that we are called from. And we all could be there just trying to find the next thing to make us happy. Or the one more thing that we can buy to get to that place where life is meaningful. It's a hopeless search. Because we were made to be in the image and likeness of God. And this image and likeness, brethren, when we think that God and His Son, Jesus Christ, what they constantly share with us is the fact that they are glorious. John 1.14. John 1.14. Let's just use that to, to support this argument of the glory of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of, of the Father. Full of grace and truth. So... The Son of God who came to be an example for all of us 
what was said of him here is that when he was looked upon, he was full of grace and truth. We beheld, John says, his glory. He was able to control the desires of the flesh. When Satan tempted him for food, what did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. He denied the flesh. And he shew forth his dignity, his glory. He tested him with pride. You are the son of God. Why don't you just throw yourself off this mountain? Angels will catch you because it is written. You know, you shall not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus would not do that just to show off. Well, he rebuked the devil because the flesh was, was crying out for some satisfaction. He denied the flesh. That's his dignity. That's his glory. And of course, I think the ultimate test of his humanity and his carnality was when Satan took him to this high mountain and showed all the kingdom of the world and says, you worship me and I'll give you all of this. That's a temptation that most of us, you know, have difficulty handling because it's just so nice to be on top of the world. Look at the, 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 the nasty fight that just happened in the U- U.S. because the presidency of, of, of that country is like being the leader of the, the free world, of the whole world. And so people love to be like that. The, the artists, the performers, when they get the big stage and they have the people just excited over them, that's what mankind wants. That's what the flesh ask for. As we move from the carnal state that we're created in towards the glory that we should be conformed to in Jesus Christ, we will find that we'll be tempted and tested from time to time to fulfill these fleshly, carnal desires. But God would not have us to be like that. Because it is a a, a, a constant transformation, according to what we read in Second Corinthians 3 here, it's from glory to glory. And that is why we keep shining as we grow. Even when we get older, we're still shining. Because we are acquiring more dignity. We're acquiring more of Christ. And this is all very special to the call. Now, why is it that some people are called and some are not? Romans 9.16 and if we read the entire chapter of Romans 9, Paul went into this discussion. But Romans 9.16, Paul concludes, So then, 
It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. What is he talking about? Israel, as you know, they were the first to be called, starting with Abraham. You know, out of the city to to follow God. And since then, many indeed have been called. But there comes this time when God made a decision that the other nations which didn't know him, that it was their time to have an opportunity. There's a lot that, you know, is to be said about the justice of God because I think ultimately our religious experience is more satisfying when we think of a truly just God. And that is why the world have problem right now Understanding a God who would allow a man to live for 60, 70 years, sometimes just 10, 20 years, they sinned, and then for millions and billions of years, they'll be tortured in a lake of fire. And the question is, where is God's justice in all of this? Some become atheists. Because of teachings like these. Virgin, when we think about it, that we have an understanding that God is fair. He gives opportunity. And it's one of the things that we also want to explore and share with the world. That God is indeed is indeed just and He is giving Mankind, the opportunity for their minds to be open to his word so they can be conformed to the image of his son and continue the process of development that started from the beginning to the point when mankind will be changed to beings like God. Jesus Christ will be a brother. We shall be like him. And ultimately mankind will enter the God family. What an amazing story. What an amazing teaching. Are all individual called now? Again, we find in the general Christian understanding, and I have to let this be known here, because I spent the first 20 years of my Christian life outside of this um, calling. And I know the mindset. You know, recently we were actually... Establishing the curriculum for our discipleship program in, in Toronto. And we went online to look at some of the models there for discipleship. And when you look at the concepts that mankind have, that Christians have of salvation, 
they got it so wrong. Because for most, you're born in the physical, and at some point, you need to make a decision for Christ. If you made a decision, you go to heaven when you die. If you reject, you're burned in hell forever. And that is simply it. When we look into the scriptures and realize that there is more, it's not as simple as that. That God is creating opportunities from time to time for mankind to serve him. We will understand the uniqueness, brethren, of our calling and what God is asking us as a group to do today in terms of giving that opportunity, making that call to those who God himself is drawing. So, in Romans 11, 7 and 8, Paul made a statement here, respect to this. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear this day, unto this day. So in God's judgment and in, in, in his predetermination, he actually had, uh, had an election. Some members of the, the children of Israel would be saved. So when Christ came, he first preached to the children of Israel. No, go not into the way of the Gentiles, he told his disciples. Preach to the children of Israel first. So there was an election among them. And after that, what did God do? He himself blinded them. And brought in the Gentiles. The other nations now had opportunity. So is God just? Oh, sure he is. He didn't just select one group of people and say, oh, you are mine forever and to hell with the rest. No. Those who were chosen, they were, they were supposed to be very, very special. Because that's why he made a covenant with them. To be his peculiar people, his royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's what he wanted to make out of them. But did they keep their covenant? They didn't. They broke the covenant. Question is, is there a new covenant today? Did God make a covenant that we are now a part of? Well, sure. And what is that covenant? Is it the same as, as, as the old? For the most part, Yes. Because it's, it's like a renewal of the same thing. That is why in 1 Peter 2.9, the same words are mentioned as was mentioned when the first covenant was made in Exodus 19. 
God wanted a peculiar people to himself. That's a big part of the calling. To come out of the world. To come out of the confusion of the world. And be his peculiar people. So the question also that we. Love to. Contemplate and which, you know, I learned a lot when uh, Pastor Ramakan shared the are they lost message. Is that let us not think that all the people who didn't accept Christ or who God didn't give up an opportunity at any one point that, that they are all lost. No, because God intends to save the world. And he will bring people <coughs> To the opportunity where they can hear, he just don't condemn in ignorance and allow people to go suffer forever because of the, their lack of opportunity. That would not be justice. So I was relieved when I read Isaiah 29, 18. And if we could take a look at Isaiah 29:18, brethren. If this is speaking of a future time, then it, w- it certainly will be a relief to many who have serious questions about God's justice and the execution of His will. God doesn't intend to create people and just destroy them without a reason. No. As I said before, uh, the fact that we are called first fruits, it means that there are many to be saved. And right now, just in the millennium, if the transition would take place tomorrow, Christ you know, coming, there are like 7 billion people on the earth, how many really understand the the, the true gospel. Not many. So right there we have billions of people that will be taught. And there's an important um, element that will be taken out to allow that to happen. But Isaiah 29 and verse 18. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, And the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to naught. And the scorner is consumed. And all that watch for iniquity are cut off. That make a man an offender for a word and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. Therefore thus saith the Lord who redeemeth Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face 
now walks pale. The fact that the scripture says that a day would come when the deaf would hear the words of the book and the eyes of the blind should see out of obscurity. To me this is justice and this is hope. Deaf persons, why should they be condemned? But God will give those individuals an opportunity to hear and understand. Now it will be their choice just as it is ours today, to accept or reject. But at least the opportunity to hear is important. Blind people can't read. Poor who are without knowledge and without means seem as if God cares for everyone and will give individuals the opportunity of salvation. But also in chapter 35, Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 and let's read from verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty lands springs of water in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with the reeds and rushes. So these scenes all resemble what Isaiah wrote about as he looked into the earth made new, the millennium and the earth made new. That yes, the time is going to come when God's justice will be evident to all. And those who had not have the opportunity, the privilege to hear God's word, they will hear it. So the question is, If God is so organized, at, one po- at what point will those who die have the opportunity to actually hear the word? Virgin, let's look at Revelation 20. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witnesses of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads 
are in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So those who were beheaded for Jesus Christ, and those who had not received the mark of the beast, they were part of the first resurrection. I trust that we all will see this glorious fulfillment. But the Bible said the rest of the dead live not until a thousand years are finished. Many Christian teachers do not understand this. That after 1,000 year reign of Christ, the rest of the dead, all. And so whatever injustices we may think of, when Israel, for example, went through to possess the land, and people were destroyed, people who never knew God, never uh, understand His will, will they come back in the second resurrection? If they are among the rest of the dead, then of course they will. In well, in the, in, in the after a thousand years, uh, some may question whether that is a second resurrection or not. But when all the rest of the dead comes back, what will happen? Now there are some who would simply say that they will just face the, the, the great white throne judgment and be pronounced. Death will be pronounced and they will go right into the lake of fire. But there's reason to believe that according to the justice of God, the very scripture that applies that um, in Isaiah 66 there, that the child will not die until he is 100 years old, then maybe the possibility that all the rest of the dead would have that 100 year to be taught, to understand, and to be given the opportunity to accept. And the good thing is at that time, the devil will be absent. Although According to the justice of God, at the end of that period, the devil will be released for a little season. And that's only just. Because to be released for a little season so that they can have experienced temptation like we have in our lifetime is only right. And so we are seeing throughout the scriptures equity, balance, justice, fairness. being exercised by our God. So, those of us who have been walking this path, you will realize that the, call, the calling itself is extraordinary. 
God has been selecting people from time to time and giving them the opportunity to accept him or to reject. And that, that, that's what has been happening throughout creation. And the process will not stop until all people, because when all the rest of the dead comes back to life, no one will be excluded. What a just God. What a great salvation. What a great plan. I see this nowhere else. And because of this just loving God who actually wants to relate to us individually, brethren, I am moved to answer the call. There is just no time to fool around. There is just no time to wonder anymore as to where our faith should be. Because revelation like these doesn't come from nowhere. You know, when Peter understood who, who Jesus Christ was, as he asked the question there in, in, in the book of Matthew, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some say Elijah or one of the prophets. But when he asked the question, so who do you say that I am? And when Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God, what did Christ say to him? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Brethren, I know the Burlington congregation studies the Bible. I listen to your tapes. The podcast. Yes, there was the debate the other day. And I know you're deep in the word and in the call. So I just want to put it to you that look, what God is revealing to you, this is not by flesh and blood. But there is divine inspiration behind what is happening. And once God intervenes in your lives like this, there has to be a, an appropriate response. So if we look at a world right now that is dark, people who just seek to satisfy the flesh, live uh, according to their carnal desire, according to the book of Romans, there are people who God has in line that he will draw. Jesus Christ himself said that other sheep I have which is not of this fold which he will draw in due time. And God, no one can come to the Father unless he draws them. But the process, brethren, is explained by Paul in Romans 10. Let us have a look. Verse 8. Okay, let's read from verse 7. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to say, to bring 
Christ up from the dead. Continuing from an earlier conversation. But verse 8. But what said it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Paul was offering the message of salvation. That if individuals would come to confess Jesus Christ with their mouth and believe in their heart that Christ hath raised him from the dead, their salvation would be secured. And he continued to explain, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are we seeing more of God's equity here? No discrimination. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Paul, the great evangelist, asks, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of him that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things so that is where all of us who are in the calling fits in no one can accept believe or confess Jesus Christ unless they really hear Now remember in Acts 16, when Paul went into, I think it was Ephesus, that he went to the riverside and he, he met this woman called Lydia. And the Bible said that God opened her understanding. When we speak sometimes, people may misunderstand. But when God opens their understanding, then they have no, no excuse. But unless the preacher brings the word, then the people certainly cannot hear. So it's a beautiful thing to have the desire to bring the word to each and every 
in the video. Sometimes, Virgin, I, I want to think that because of the many confusion in Christendom, we tend to focus on a lot of what's wrong. False teaching here, false teaching there. And lose the, 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 the opportunity to invite individuals to what is good and what is true. The understanding we have of God's plan and the kingdom is like none other. And I want to say that we have what I see as the, the, the fairest gospel that has been preached. A God who is just, who loves his creation and wants to give them eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are many things that have been revealed. And as we contemplate the call, I don't know at what point in your life you realize that you are being called. But how did you respond then and looking back at the way you have responded, are you, are you satisfied that you have responded the way God wanted you to? Is there opportunity right now for all of us to make a fresh commitment to respond to what God wants us to do in that he has called us? The knowledge that we have collectively is precious and needed. People not only need to amass knowledge. One writer said this way that the, the higher goal of spiritual living is not so much the to amass knowledge as to experience spiritual encounters. People want to actually meet God. People want to interact with God. And we want to experience moments where we know that God is present in us, in our lives, and in, and in what we are doing. We have a part to play in all of this. Now, John, we read a lot in the Revelation. And when John realized all that came to him, the angel that was speaking to him, what did John say? He bowed down to worship that being because he was so thankful. He was so thankful for all that he had received. But the angel answered John and says, don't, don't, don't bow down and worship me. Worship God. 
He's the one to be worshipped. And I find this common to other experiences in the Bible. And we'll just look at just two more as we bring this subject to a close. And of course, in John 4, Jesus Christ had an experience there with the woman, woman of Sychar. And this is, this is so very special um, when it comes to the call. St. John 4. Verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were come away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who is it that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, there was nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drink thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life Virgin, is that what the word is to us as we receive the word it somehow continues to renew itself in us and allow us to be renewed as being but the story continues the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband in that thou hast said truly. In that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, the response is what I'm interested in here. So this woman, she was living her life. 
But she met Jesus. And Jesus revealed something to her that she found surprising. How did you know that? You must be a prophet. And immediately she started to respond by talking about worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The response to all the revelation that we have had, the uniqueness of our calling, what God is using us to do and saying to us today, brethren, I would want to echo the response of this woman. Is our worship acceptable to you, O God? Are we paying homage to you the way we ought to? This is the God of the universe that has revealed his love, himself, his will to us, that we can become a part of his family. How do we respond to such an invitation? How do we respond to such a call? How do we worship? Jesus made it clear. Sincerity in spirit and in truth. Because that's what the Father seek. Isaiah 6. Another response. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw also the Lord sitting up on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried out unto another and says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo! This hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I heard a voice 
And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who shall go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. We have seen, brethren, the glory of the Lord. We have been through many worship experiences, many great feasts. Isaiah saw the angels, and they were giving God the glory with veiled faces. They were worshipping him. The scene was so great, so awesome, that Isaiah himself felt so unworthy. But when that angel touched his tongue with that live, that coal, a fire. He simply humbled himself and offered in response to all that God showed him. In response to the great revelation. Here my Lord, send me. What I think we need to do as a church today is to realize that for God's plan to be executed, more of us will have to sacrifice our time, our love for the things of this life, and simply respond like Isaiah, hear my, send me, use me. God has work for everyone, for the musicians, for the instrumentalist, for the preacher, for, for the singer, for just those who can explain his word. It's a whole plan that is unfolding. And it's a plan that all of us has a right fitting place to serve. And brethren, we have, God has put in place the best worship system. System that we have, sometimes maybe don't appreciate as much as we should. But the weekly Sabbath services that takes us away from the world for these fine hours is a great worship system. Let's respect it. Let's honor it. Let's use it to the glory of God. Even if it's just two hours we spend here, know for sure that God is in this place to refresh us with his word, to give us strength to go on. Weekly Sabbath. And we have the annual Sabbaths and feast days. All designed to give God the praise, the worship, and to strengthen us as we continue to be transformed to be like Him. And so, as you have come here in this location for the first time, my challenge to you is, wherever God would send you, Make sure that the people at least have the opportunity to hear what we have to say. Advertise. Let people know. 
Because we have a simple duty. God has his plan in place and I am assured that God's church will never die. It cannot. Because the God's word said that. Upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So we know the church will continue. We simply need to do our part. Let people know what we have to say. Say to them, let the call go out that others can have an opportunity to respond to this call as we have. God bless your hearts. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.